Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on iTunes. Search Glue Guys. Check us out SoundCloud, Stitcher, anything you want. We're on NetsDaily.com and at BK Glue Guys on Twitter. Brian, mm-hmm. um, welcome back. Thanks. It's good to be here. Good it's, to be on your show, Mike. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you're back here on the Mike Smelts podcast. Um, so, Brian, we've had uh, the Houston game. So it's Tuesday night. We're recording this. The Houston game is what we just watched. Um, it, that was a difficult one to watch, Bry Guy. Did that? Was that a little bit painful for you? So, so as walk we, me through it, Mike. Walk, get it out, get it all out there, brother. It's so disappointing because, well, one, you want like Lynn's you, the headline, even though Lynn didn't play well, but the headline coming out of the game, if they had won, was Lynn's addition helps Nets win in Houston. Mm-hmm. Revenge mm-hmm. game for Jeremy Lin. That's what you it would do. Have been. You really do think in headlines. It's pretty inspired. It's how I do fantasy sports. Actually, I I operate on the assumption that the headline will be there. You're pretty bad at fantasy sports, if I remember. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I'm really. I'm 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 obscenely bad for how much time I put into basketball and but football, hey, and I I don't care about baseball. But you're an above average podcaster, so that's very sweet of you, Brian. You got it, brother. You um, got it. You know, at, at the end of the game, it was there was that expectation, and you know, we kind of talked about it over G Chat. Uh, put it inside the curtain here, but that Kenny Atkinson was going to come out and have something kind of saucy and hot that he usually does out of the inbounds plays. And what we got mm-hmm. was the one of the final possessions was a weird, plodding, boring offensive play that ended up in a immediate turnover. We saw it. We saw it two times, uh, bo- both of which were plodding and gross. They they ran. It seemed like they ran the same thing back, except they just flipped it from the other side when they had to go inbounds from under the basket. If you recall the sequence, Mike, I do. Um, it was, yeah, it was an incredible. It, it, it was an incredible game overall. Just the aspect of that they were down the whole time. Houston was never really that good, but the Nets could just could never get over the hump. Um, Lopez could just do anything he wanted, but no one else in the team was really helping him out all that much. And somehow, miraculously, they had a shot to win it at the end of the game. They had at least three or four opportunities to get a lead or tie it up. And they couldn't do it. They, of course, they tied it up, but they couldn't get the lead. And they just, you know, again, that would have been such a – that would have been a, another signal that this team is going in some direction, right? It was, a, it was a fun game, but it was also a really annoying game. And I remember you said earlier on in the season at some point that, that – the one of the interesting things about about the season or one of the changes was that Houston was now a more interesting team to watch, and I have to hard disagree with you there. That J- James <laughs> hard Harden disagree. like ruins everything. He just ruins every game of basketball. He can't help it; it's his nature. I mean, it's it's winning basketball. It's genius. I can't I can't knock him for it. But holy God, is it horrible to watch? He just know. he he turns the game into a conversation with. I mean, this is not the, obviously not the first time this has been said, but it hasn't changed. He's just he does the same thing where he gets the guy on his hip and then dribbles backwards into him and then shoots and then it pisses everybody off and there's like a domino effect where everyone's annoyed and looking to the refs and the refs are trying to make up calls here and there and then it just 
it just falls apart and everyone's just looking at the refs and are angry at the end of the game. It's terrible. I, it's I a terrible still, way to play I basketball. still believe that this style of basketball with James – like James Harden, there's a limit to how good it can be in the same way that Dwight Howard, especially because they're on the same team. This style of basketball, though, is as much fun as James Harden can be, I think. There's, you know they're not on the same team anymore, right? No, but what I'm saying is there's that what's interesting is that when they were on the same team, they're the same type of players that they were both when especially Howard at his peak, they're both really good players who are not fun to watch. This mm-hmm. is the most yeah. fun we're ever going to get at James Harden. James Harden's never going to be like no, a Warriors type it's, player. It's part it's part of who he it's his identity as a basketball player and that's and like I said, you know, you know, don't knock the player, knock the game. Um but but my God, is that, I mean, I feel, I don't know. I don't know. Do Houston fans like this? Is that, are they okay with all this? Cause that was, uh, it, that was a really long game. I mean, I remember I think looking Houston's, at the clock by the end of the like, Houston's oh my God, like way, a game. way enjoys Harden. I think they, yeah. they ride and die with Harden. They, there's no like, Howard was never accepted there. There's no yeah. like pro Howard Houston Rockets segment of the fan base. Um, yeah. you know, the and if, player, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, what were you, you going to say? Well, so the other, like, the, the player that I do want, I was talking to uh, my buddy about this earlier, is Trevor Ariza, and he had a very uh, yes. salient point about this, which is that he is exactly the kind of player that if you trade for him or somehow finds his way to the Nets, he's going to forget how to play basketball immediately. <laughs> That's, like, exactly the prototypical, I can't play basketball anymore, Nets player. I know, no, but he's the, as you're, he's the exact player that the Nets need in this team. I'm not saying he would... There wouldn't yeah. be a playoff team with him, but uh, that that three and D wing, whatever. But like smart player, good on yeah. defense, always is going to hit that open three. That's exactly like if there's any way that he could fall into their thing. The funny thing is, I remember again, I'm a Wizards fan. He got signed by the Rockets um, because they gave him a bigger contract, and now that contract's like seven and a half million dollars a year. That's insane yeah. how small that is now compared to really tiny. Can, I was looking, so I have a thing for you later Oof. in the show. Oh, fun. Uh, um, my all distressed assets team. Okay. Mm, uh, this wow. is sort of based off the tweet I had. If you're following us at BK Glue, guys, we had a nice conversation on Twitter today about uh, the Pelicans are really would just would give away Omer Ashik right away. And he's sort of the perfect distressed asset. A st- distressed asset is um, someone who used to be kind of good, who has a big contract, who you feel like you can you can get for nothing, basically, and you hope can, to turn it around. The Bain Capital ask, type team. Can I ask you something? And this is sure. off topic. Please do. But, so I'm, I'm a little bit new to Twitter. I've been following it pretty closely <laughs> recently. Um, and does it is it normal, or is, does it seem insane when people begin or end a sentence in a tweet with lol? Does, it, does that not seem like a very, like, a, like kind of a psychotic thing to be doing? And Well, I don't know, but I've never seen a beginning, but an ending of a sentence Sometimes with lol is... I don't know if it's passive aggressive, but there's like a it's, it's aggressive aggressive. It's it's laughing to oneself is really what that is really what a <laughs> lol is like. I, but sometimes it seems totally unrelated. It's just they use it like punctuation, like it's a period. Well, the o- the only people who you ever see actually laughing out loud to themselves at the end of sentences are villains in movies. So if yeah. you do that, then then you are certifiably insane. Right. Um, but uh, why, to, why to, were you seeing Twitter activity on that? What's oh uh, yeah yeah tweet tweet at Mike about that. By the way, Mike does all the tweeting. So uh, most part, yeah. You can find me on on the on the email sphere or in uh, 
in the Nets Daily comments sections where I'm where I'm creeping around. But I wanted to say to touch back on our Ariza conversation. Sure. Um, they need to lock Rondé Hollis Jefferson in a tiny little video room with nothing but Ariza clips and and make it happen. Be that guy. I don't think just, that's gonna. Just, I don't think being just, in a video room is gonna help Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Do you need to be locked in a gym forever? He needs to be that guy. That's who he needs to shoot for. I mean, I know we do this every week, the Rondé House Jefferson, but but he looks lost again. He's gonna he's gonna come back up. But well, let's not touch on that yet. We're I got something for you. Yeah. Okay. So that Houston game is really hard again because they've had a Nets have had a couple of surprising wins. I mean, I guess every win is pretty much surprising, but that would have been on the road in Houston is a signal that the Nets are again heading the right direction that they're doing something correct um i gave up 122 points they've given up i'm looking just at the past every game in december this is at what they've given up 111 112 118 116 130 and 122 not that's not how you win basketball games brian no I don't know if you heard about but that. hey all that's going to change now that your boy Karis Levert's got his legs back um hot takes do you have any about Karis Levert well one funny thing about the Houston game was he guarded Harden a couple of times and there's one time he guarded Harden and Harden's like is a stocky guard but he's not a, a monster in terms of size but Lavert is so skinny and it was Harden just banged right into Lavert or Lavert jumped back like four feet yeah and that's he's, a problem if you're supposed to be a three and D wing ish ball handler dude you have to be able to I handle that I don't know I don't know if he's supposed to be a three and D guy I I mean, it remains to be seen what he's supposed to be yet. I, I still am holding out for my Anthony Hardaway uh, dreams. But I do, I would say, just immediately passes the eye test defensively in like just being always annoyingly in his opposing player's passing lane. He seems to be – he can guard like two guys at the same time sort of with, with two with – two, uh, you don't see this? You're not, this is not passing your test? What? No, I was he, I, I was not. I have to. I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't listening to you. I'm, you were. I'm, do, I'm doing. I I'm doing something. Can, I'm doing something on the technical end here. I'm sorry. I really apologize. No, I'm trying hacking? to fix. I'm trying to fix something here. But we're good. What's going on? Are we? Are we live? What's yeah, happening? Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. It's. It was. Yeah. Um. It was like that slight buzzing. You know that always is constantly in my ears. I fixed it. Well, back to my terrific point. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. It was. Please. <laughs> it was refer- <laughs> no, it's just Karis Levert is like an interesting kind of defender. He's 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 uh, savvy. You're right. He doesn't have like the the body for it quite yet, but there is a lot of a lot of uh, indication that he can that he can be a pretty tremendous, you know, uh, just player in the passing lanes. I, I, yeah, I, and it, I've noticed this a lot. I mean, not just outside of like the three steals of the first game, like that's obvious, but he he like also denies the passing lanes really well. It it makes sense why you know Marks obviously came in with a game plan because he fit in exactly of sort of what the what this team was trying to build. He's a smart player. Seems to be what this team mostly goes after is just smart guys. Um and he certainly knows essentially what he's doing on the court. Um but I I, I gotta say I mean I think he hurt, hit his first three against the Rockets. I have two, to see two threes. but I mean in terms of of his career. I think mm-hmm. the Houston game was the first time he hit a three. You know, he scored one bucket against San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, he's. I need he's to still... see a, a tad bit, a tad bit more to give a full assessment. See, this is why it's a hot take. But by the time you'll get to it, it'll be a all right. He's going to be. Take, he's going to be an all star. <laughs> yeah, I know. What What do we feel about Jeremy Lin? That's we're just. Do we just not care that he wasn't any good? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Can you're we move on? Stinker after being, you know, out for fifteen games or whatever. 
All right. Um, we had voicemail, I guess, but we can't really play it. I'm sorry. Well, I that was Mike's the- fault for teasing voicemail yeah. twice today on Twitter, and then I know, and this is sad because we've been pushing voicemail really hard. But um, thank you we for everyone who called too. in. Oh man, we feel terrible for the people. It's really Skype's fault for not making it easier to just play all this stuff over the internet. And I think, I mean, what do those things date? I'm sure they don't, right? So we'll play voicemail. No, some of them are, are insane. They have nothing to do with anything. Perfect. So. so we'll do voicemail next week when we're together. Um, also next week, I'm seeing Rogue One on Monday night. Oh, my Lord. Because I have a free screening. That's why I'm not going to pay money. Okay. Um, so I'll have my review in News Around a League. We'll t- <laughs> so, so I can tell... So the you know the classic everyone waits for my review nobody, to go out. And nobody see wants it. to hear a review of a movie that they're going to see <laughs> and they don't want any spoilers from your Come on, Mike. Brian, it'll be so good. Um real quick, That's, do you Yeah, go ahead. Do you want to do email if we have it or do you want to do my distress distressed assets team? You you guide the ship here. Which one do you want to do more? <laughs> Uh, um well, let's get your distressed thing out of the way and we'll, and we'll do the all right appreciate it love the enthusiasm <laughs> um okay so this is our ongoing segment of mike trying to get assets onto this team last week it was three trades that brian created this week it is my all distressed assets team again these are players that have big contracts and may need to be moved guys who maybe were used to be good but could be good. Okay, my, my yeah. all distressed assets team. I, I like this because it also. So here's what I've noticed. Sure, I've noticed that there are two kinds of Nets fans at the moment. There's there's a, a binary here. There are people that want to talk about nothing other than trades, and then there are people that cannot stand trade talk. And it's going to be very hard to please both of those. You see how they might there might be a conflict there for, yes. for having a podcast. Um. So we're trying to please everybody. You know, I'm a man of the people, Mike less so, but I am trying to, <laughs> to please people. Um, I only like to not, please myself. I'm so this is actually lover. a great this is a great section because you're not going to actually propose any trades. You're just talking about what could be had. Yeah. Which is, that is just kind of the best of both, both it, worlds. This is simply just um, throwing names out there. I'm not saying these guys are even for the Nets because most of these guys wouldn't end up on the Nets, but these are just throwing names out there. We've already even talked about a few of them. These are just guys that – that are if if the Nets want to use their ample cap space, what do the Nets have, Brian? What is one thing that the Nets actually have that is of value? So this is interesting too because so we were just talking about this beforehand. So we we will uh, can you hear this? There's a siren. There's I love it. Siren. It's so it's so New York, you know. It's urban. Seventies like movies. It's great in a concrete jungle. Um, what was I saying? Yeah. So something we we talked about this last week, and I forget what it was, but something came up in, in one of the comment sections. Um, who was it? Who was it? Who was it? Oh, it was Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler's name came up, and people got into fights with each other uh, about like why would we want Tyson Chandler on this team? And I I know because we talked about it beforehand that we're going to cut, get into that territory again with with one specific player. But to <laughs> to make it extra special, clear, we're. We're offering this what you're alluding to our our cap space as a as a as a graveyard for bad contracts yes. for, for your Tyson Chandlers and your Omar Asiks, uh, you know players that yeah we don't technically no, we don't have any like real immediate use for and we don't necessarily want but we would package that with other things that we do want we and are, that would be a benefit to the team that we were trading with the Nets are the nuclear waste dumping ground for other teams that are trying to shed off the pollution that they've built up 
over right, the so years. It's helpful for them. Anyway, so sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to put those disclaimers in front of this thing and then and shoot. Now it's all you, Mike. Okay, and and again, these I'm not saying these are players that the Nets should necessarily get. I'm just saying if the Nets are going to improve their team, the main way that they'll be able to do that is to take on bad contracts. And these are my best bad contracts. There's actually not that many right now, specifically because the cap went up and blah, 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 blah. Okay, so we started this, and what was the spur of this was Omer Ashik. Omer Ashik, apparently the Pelicans are not feeling him right now. He has three more seasons after this season on his contract, around $11 million a year. He's not really playing. He can't really play with Anthony Davis, and he's really not that good. But three more years, around $11 million. The Pelicans are in a weird spot where they have Anthony Davis. Drew Holiday's on the last year of his deal. They will have money to spend. But if you really want a ton of money to spend, $11 million gets you a six-man starter-ish player, fifth starter player at this point, and to pay that much money for a guy who's not any good. So my proposal on Twitter was that, you know, the Nets say, hey, Pelicans, Pelicans are like 8-17 and 17 right now, not a great record, say, we'll do, we'll get, we'll take your Ashik, give us a protected first, make it top eight, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say, top seven, top eight, and... We'll just take the bad contract, and you guys can have Anthony Bennett or something like that, just to send someone back. Um, that that would be for Anthony Bennett. That would be pretty choice because we, th- that's the whole thing about these contracts is that sure. the Nets will never Nets have nothing to give up, and then these are guys you can you can. You don't think they want someone that's like even ostensibly useful, like no. like no. a Boyan Bogdanovich, someone you would even take a long no, look at? No, 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 no. The Nets, if the Nets traded Boyan, who they rely on, I mean. Boy, on who they rely on. That's beautiful. Um, mm. they, they, it's incredible how much Boyan is the centerpiece of this offense. I mean, it is. even more than Brook at times. I mean, at, at times he's like the guy that they go to consistently. Um, mm. no, no, no. You, these are all dudes that they shouldn't have to give up anything for. But again, th- these aren't all. So also on the team, and I'm going to go through this quickly. We'll have to go through everything. But Joe Kim Noah is already become a distressed asset. He just signed with the team. He has three more years at the average of $18.5 million. He's averaging four points and eight rebounds. That's a dude who, not necessarily for the Nets because it's Nets-Knicks, and that's a weird thing, but he's definitely a guy if you're trying to take on, trying to use your cap space to take on and get something else, he's a guy. Greg Monroe, who we talked about last week, um, obvious guy that the Bucks don't want. And also the other thing about this, Brian, is yeah. um, so we, you know, teams may be under the cap, and they don't necessarily need to trade him in terms of cap. But Greg Monroe is a perfect example of he's getting paid $17.5 million by the Bucks, and he's not really doing anything. And it's not because of a cap issue why they'd have to get rid of him. It's because the owners don't want to pay all that money, right? The o- sure. Uh, if you're a human being and you're mm. paying $17.5 million to someone who's not doing anything for you, you'd rather move that person so you don't have to pay that money. And mm-hmm. Prokhorov really cares about that less than other people so mm-hmm. greg Monroe's a perfect candidate my the lakers have two interesting guys so the nets play the lakers coming up they both i think they signed both of these guys this offseason i know one of them for sure they did luel dang who's not doing anything this year this is the lakers are like a resurgent team luke walton everyone loves him coach of the year candidate luel dang's averaging seven and a half points a game and five rebounds he's three more years at the at, at the end of this contract for 18 million dollars a year Mm-hmm. Mm. So the Lakers don't have all that much up to give because I think their next pick is owed to the Suns. No, it's owed to the Sixers at this point. But 
that's a lot of money to be paying a dude that's already done. Mm-hmm. And he, Luau Deng is sort of the dude, would be a dude that would fit into what this culture that the Nets want to build, right? Sure. Um, so I'm going to be start, I'm going to start thinking about trade possibilities for Dang, <laughs> Dang to Brooklyn. You don't think now would be a good time to. No, I mean, this is all, this is, this is going to be a long series, oh, right? Okay. <laughs> it's going to be an ongoing Pulitzer Prize winning event yeah. series. Yeah, this is, sure. Timofey Mozgov is also on the team. Three more years of $16 million a year on his contract after this season. And he's not really doing anything for them either. Just another dude. Interesting. You know, what's interesting about this list is that they're all centers, basically. And mm. that, that hurts your case for Brooke Lopez being traded because there's so many available centers. That may not be good as good as Brooke, but if a team really wants a center, like I think the Warriors at some point are going to want a center. They may look for a guy who, like Ashik, who, yeah, he has a couple more years left, but he's also a lot cheaper than Brooke is, and he can just fill a specific role. Tyson Chandler's on here. Two more years at $13 million. He's, That's a guy you could have to, today, I think. I think the Nets could have him today. And the only guard beyond Luel Deng, who's, I guess, really a forward, is Aaron Aflalo. Who is another year of two and a half million, and he's just garbage at mm-hmm. this point. Um, all fun, distressed assets who the Nets could have nice. on the team, I think, for for very little. So nice. Well, yeah. if you're looking to improve the team, Bri, that's how you do hey, it. Hey, I'm into it. I mean, I'll, I'll look forward to the next installment of uh, of your distressed assets documentary. The next one is unknown assets, so we'll do that. <laughs> oh, so you're gonna you're gonna uh, dredge up some names from the D League? Yes. You got it. I'll just look at the top five scorers and top five rebounders. That'll be the list. Teasing hard now. Cool. Um, do we have email? Yeah, we do. We have texts too. I can I can read some of those off. Sure. Um, but I'll just launch right into it. I mean, we don't have the. I, I feel bad for the guys that email and and uh, they they work so hard and they deserve John Cena drops. And so everyone needs to get together and write some angry emails to Skype to get our um, audio situation figured out. Can I admit um, something real quick? <clears throat> yeah, good. The theme song of the Nets that Yes Network plays, um, is that's John Cena's song, right? Oh, it does kind of. Now I'd have to hear it, but it does kind of sound like it. The only reason why I think that because John Cena was on SNL and they did a bit, and they were playing the Nets song, but like they're playing it as John Cena's entry music. And I think it was the same song. Maybe that's just like the public domain version of it. I'll have to. I'll have to figure that out. Okay. Anyways, um, first one up is from Cheerboy. This is from all the way back in December 6th. So uh, I just wanted to give Sean Pinto a shout out for for uh, hitting us up. This is from he was. I think he sent it to us during our recording of our last podcast. But uh, thanks for reaching out, Sean, and everyone else for the record. Hit us up at netspod at gmail dot com and be part of the email sphere fun. Um, he asks, is Trevor Booker's destiny to be a solid NBA starter or an excellent NBA backup? Um, wow. It's a powerful hard statement. Hard to say. Hard to say. By the way, also, let me say a couple of people, and I'm not going to, you know, I will name names when they get to them, um, said that they liked my intro from last week, Mike. They they just unapologetically liked it, and they were like, what's wrong with Mike and his terrible taste in music? One, I they don't believe that. that last two, part they didn't say. Yeah. But the first part they did say. I, I, I still can't believe it. I think that's a troll job, and I feel bad it's for not. you that you fell for that. Fell Liter- for that literally, rube. Literally like a rube. not a troll job. I don't believe it. Well, 
Mike, here's what I know. I know you have bad taste in music. That's that's not that, that's for sure. No, no, I mean that's I for sure. knew you when you were listening to Matchbox Twenty on a regular basis. So <laughs> let's <laughs> let's just get that out of the way, um, dude. It's, so it's three a.m. and I'm still calling right. or something. So Sean Jimmy Pinto, World, Good Charlotte. Is, is that true? Good Charlotte is a band that you like. Still, I went in high school. No, not still. Well, they are from Maryland, so I have to like them. But I went to a, 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 a all American Rejects uh, Fall Out Boy concert in high school. That was pretty wow. sweet. That was wow. pretty sweet, Bry. That's cool, man. You're a cool guy. Um, yeah. So talk to me about Trevor Booker's destiny, dude. He's a starter. I mean, if he, if he, yeah, if he's on a really good team, he's not a starter. But he's, I don't know. I mean, he's a pretty awesome player for the Nets. Is he the Nets' second best player this year? I think that's are in, are the Indiana Pacers kicking themselves for not just signing Trevor Booker in the offseason? instead of signing Thaddeus Young? Yeah, I mean, I think or trading for Thaddeus. Young. I mean, I think. I mean, at this point, I guess I'd rather have Trevor Booker, especially because he adds athleticism. Thaddeus was athletic, but not. I mean, Booker's like a freak athlete right now, um, and he's perfect Thaddeus for a bad a team. Doo doo year. Let me just tell you. Yeah, I don't no, know if you've been... fantasy team. Yeah. Oh, he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still think yeah. if he was next to Brooke, he would he would be still getting those numbs. He would still be getting you know the 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 charity little putbacks and all the stuff that he was doing. It's what, what's stopping him from doing that in in Indiana? Because they don't really have a center. They have Miles Turner, who's a who's a really a, a three point shooting tall guy. My, he, what Miles Turner? I mean, he he shoots a an occasional three pointer, but he's like a you know a big a big guy down low. I don't think you're watching Miles Turner. Miles Turner I, is is the three point shooting center beyond Kristaps Porzingis. Dude, you must have just watched him like last night. He had four three pointers. Oh, is Brian. that what you're talking about? Because oh, Brian, up, he averages oh, half oh a three pointer a game. You're embarrassing yourself right now. Why? Does he average half of a three-pointer game? Yes, half a three-pointer game, you loser. And Brick Lopez that. shoots two a game, you turd. Okay, so you don't you don't watch enough Pacers games. Get back to the, uh, to the drawing He board. shoots a, a, a one-and-a-half three-pointers a game. That's a ton. That's a ton. <laughs> That's a ton. <laughs> out of your mind. All right. You're out of your mind, and you're I was wrong. Job. You were right. Okay, so moving on from that debacle uh, – Yes, so Trevor Booker for me is a starting a starting <clears throat> power forward on most teams outside of anyone that's like if you got Kevin Love or Blake Griffin on your team, no, but but who else? Who else is above him in a rotation? Probably a million guys, but but what? He's good. Um okay, moving on. Thanks for that. Uh sorry, that was uh Sean Pinto. This is Jose, aka G N Y R. What's up, bro? Um this one's gonna be taxing for you, Mike. You're gonna have to remember a lot of Nets players off the cuff. Um he has three questions. What is your fun lineup? What is your small lineup, and what is your three pointer lineup? Um my f- So here's here's I'm gonna get okay. to an interesting question here because I'll sure. I just wrote out my fun lineup really quick and I got to an interesting question. Are you ready? Yeah. So it's Lynn. So a lot of these people are going to be fun because I haven't really seen a lot of them yet. That that for me is fun. <laughs> yeah. That I like that a lot. You know, as as you know, you watch some of the guys and they have their, you know, their peak and their and their valleys. Um, you fall out of love with them pretty quick. So excited to have Lynn back. I always like watching Booker. Levert is my new fascination at the moment. And then I got to Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Am am I 
am I is he fun to watch at the moment? He's not fun to watch at the moment. He should be fun. He should, he should be, be the fun player. He should be like our exciting quirky player and if, he's not. He's and if really I got to say if there's like a failing of the Kenny Atkinson era, to me it would have to be the fact that Rondé's just totally uncomfortable and not fitting in and not maturing at all. I mean that could be partly Rondé's fault, but like he gives confidence to a lot of players and Rondé doesn't seem to have any confidence. Mm. Dude is quirky and weird and can produce fun exciting basketball times but Rondé has at the moment a a decision making skill issue he's got he's got a problem with, let, me, let me expand on that basically he gets the ball and he doesn't know what to do with it and that's a very big problem for a player with his skill set you know you got to be you make that decision in 1.5 seconds of having having the ball and no one's that much fun uh, when they don't know what, especially if you're an athletic dude, it's not that much fun to watch an athletic dude who can't shoot, who then has to hold the ball for three seconds to figure out what they're going to do. It's not yeah. the best time in the court. Um, by the way, and this is, I don't know how much this has been discussed or written about already, but you know how long, how many times like last season, season before we talked about that Brooke never got assists. The dude, yeah. the dude is a passing machine this year. And I, I think if there's an undercover storyline of what, the success of Kenny Atkinson is the fact that Brooke has been having his, his highest assist totals probably of his career on this team mm-hmm. where there's no mm-hmm. one to throw the ball to. Um, so I'll give you the, the numbers here. Yeah. This year he's averaging 2.4 assists. Last year he's averaging two assists. So huge jump. <laughs> huge. That's a 25% jump, Brian. 25% yeah. jump. No, it's big. It's yeah. Big. If you write it as a Brooke assist is going up by 25%, that's the headline. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so wait, you're, give me your quick, quickly again. Fun lineup. It's Lynn so, Levert. Right, so Lynn Levert, Booker. Right now, for me, I just want to watch Dinwiddie because he's the new guy that I haven't seen a lot of. And right. I'm just like, yeah, run him out. And then I don't know. Is 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 it Whitehead? Do I still want to look at Bennett? Yes. I don't know. Yes. So I go, even though this is a not a lineup you'd actually play, but I go Lynn, Levert, Booker, Whitehead, and Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah, just because I mean Brooks all not all that much fun, and Hamilton can at least shoot threes, and that's I mean I want to shoot threes. I just want to shoot. If 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 winning is fun, then you want Brook in there, I guess. Yeah, and if just want to, yeah. Um, and then your small lineup, I guess you go what Lynn. What I mean, well, you play Booker at the five, and that's that's when you're really fun because he pushes the ball from the if he pushes the ball as a center, and then you have, I know. Well, who's your four then? Yeah, Uh, you're you're gonna run out uh, like Boyan at the four. Yeah, I know that'd be. That'd be really tough for Boyan to ask Boyan to do that. I mean, that's also the thing about why the Mana Yunus thing is kind is disappointing because he he opens up a lot of lineups for this team. He would never play the five, but he he would be that that four who can still shoot threes. And they don't have that dude this year. I mean, they play Hamilton at the four sometimes, and he can do it, but he's really not a modern good NBA four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then three pointers. I mean, you go what Bogdanovich, Kilpatrick, Lynn, um, Brooke. Yeah, I mean, Brooke deserves to be on a three pointer lineup, doesn't he? I mean, I, so Joe, Joe Joe Harris isn't. I yeah, I guess Joe Harris is. But I I've, I could look this up pretty quickly. But I'm sure Brooke has a better three points percentage than than Hamilton does this year, right? Well, I don't I don't know what his percentage is, but he's certainly hitting a lot more of them. Um, yeah, uh, 
a whole a whole point eight. I'm just like you know how I do. It's just a ESPN fantasy. <laughs> it's the easiest way to, to look at these things categorically. Sure. Um, but I mean Hamilton's shooting forty two percent from the floor and sixty eight percent from the from the free throw line. Not not good numbers for your supposedly like you know your your gunning stretch five. I mean he's been. I'm not gonna say disappointed. So wait, no, no, no. Is this true? Brooke, okay, this is true. Brooke leads the team in three-point percentage. Did you know that, Ryan? I think I suspected it, yeah. Uh, well, actually, Spencer Dinwiddie does because he hasn't taken one yet. So I'm not in denial about Brooke Lopez's Super Saiyan three-point skills now. Like, uh, so, so all this stuff is cool with me. Okay, sure. I know you're <laughs> – are you, are you cool with this now? Are you finally okay with this? Um, I'm always okay with it as long as it's in rhythm and it's off of screens and it's fine. I never want Brooke to be floating along a three-point line doing nothing. Never makes sense. And he hasn't done that as much. There's been a couple games that we've talked about where he does. But I, you know, I'm fine with it as long as it's kept within control. The way this team was shooting threes earlier in the year was a problem. They were just jacking him up, like the very beginning of the season. They've been better than that. They just don't have, like... They don't have one really good three-point shooter besides Brooke, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, next question, Brian. Oh, okay. So this is from Cheerboy. This is Joseph. So I've been saying Chiliac because that's how it's spelled, but it's actually Shellac, better name. Um, so thanks for hitting us up, uh, Jay Shellac. Um, so with Yogi having been waived, who now is the coolest name on the team? Um, obviously, that's Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie. Yeah. Yeah. It has although to be. that. It's a very jaunty name. Um, it's like a Harry Potter name or something. Over, um, has, have always liked Spencer Didwitty. Never seen him play a game, but I've always liked him. Well, I went in and watched some of his clips from his Detroit days. Uh, he had a couple of really nice games. The people were the the announcers were hyping him up like he was going to break out for for a hot second. Um, who? So then, who is the second best name on the team? Is it Rondé? Is it Sean? <clears throat> or is it Boyan? I do. I've always liked Jeremy Lin. I like the way Jeremy Lin looks, like Lin on the jersey with the seven. That's always is that good. the dog. <laughs> yeah. Did, could you hear her? I think Karis Levert has probably got the oh, most. Oh yeah, uh, that's true. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Well, thank you for that, Jay Schlack. Um Moving on, we got Philip Mirsois. Phil Mirsois. A lot of really good last names. Um, French Canadian, probably. Um, so this is the guy who starts, last time I told you I love your music, now I'm telling you that I love your new weird intro. Thank you, Philip Mirsois. Uh Recently heard that Brooke Lopez is our best three-point shooter. Now this is obviously hey. good news and bad news. My question is, before the season started, someone told you that Brooke Lopez would be our best long-range marksman. Would you be happy or disappointed? Probably uh, disappointed. I, Mike would be disappointed. <laughs> Mike would not tolerate that madness. And now he's eating crow. I think we we know exactly what would happen. Yeah, I'm not really eating crow because it's not like the team has taken off anywhere. I mean, it's disappointing that there's not one guard who can shoot the ball really well from three. I think that's a disappointment. Yeah, it's well, awesome you know. that Brooke can do it. I mean, I I don't. It's like one of the most under discussed items in the NBA. I think seriously, like you know, we talk about Brooke trades all the time. But if I'm a team. And I'm looking at getting a player who could be a game-changing player on my team. Brooke would be the guy I look at because he's he's a 
proven scorer who can now shoot threes. That's pretty insane that that like the guy who's always been thought of as the best low post offensive player in the league now suddenly can just easily shoot threes. That's a pretty radical change. Very radical. <clears throat> what else is radical is that your boy Ryan Blake wrote us. Um, thanks for hitting us up. He says, "Hey, uh, do you think there's any way Rudy Gay would come to the Nets during the off season?" So, so I heard I was looking at Twitter and some people are saying that we're just one, one good player away from getting over the hump. What what that hump is in their mind, I don't know. Is that 500? Um, depends on how good the player is, of course. Uh, but are we one Rudy Gay away from being 500, Mike? I think you're one Rudy Gay and then a swing guard from being 500. I think that's right. <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah. I think I think if you get Rudy Gay and someone else who's like pretty decent, you're 500. And do we have a chance at at throwing him a big fat contract? Sure. Sure. Right. I mean, max contract. If how many teams are going to give Rudy Gay a max contract? Brooklyn. I don't know. Is Brooklyn one of them? And Rudy Gay has always seemed to be a ni- a nice guy. Um. Yeah. Do you want to do killer comparison, or do you want to do news around the league? Yeah, I'm going to go right from this last email because we got it from an emailer into the killer comparison, dude. Let's do it. This is your boy Josh Bass. Hit us up. Thank you for hitting us up, my dude. Uh, do you see Atkinson shortening uh, extended minutes to young guys like RHJ, Levert, and McCullough at any point this season to see what they can do? And who do you think of those three has the most potential? So I have no idea about extended minutes or anything like that. I, I can't imagine. But of the three at the moment, Levert, I've seen the least of, so he's the most interesting. Um, <laughs> so so I got to go with that. Um, but I, I I do think he's got – I mean, I, I mean he hit two threes that looked like pretty comfortable. Um, yeah, it seems like – Seems like it could work out three games in and like 15 minutes a piece. He just is like, if for a slasher that he is, it's going to be, he's going to have to get a little bigger to handle all that action because he's going to get mauled uh, when he goes to the hoop. But I'm excited. Again, I, I again, I tweeted this out from MPK Glue Guys. It's been a while, like, Lynn and Levert on the court at the same time in Houston, and that's it's been a while. It's been what people have been waiting for all season. They didn't do anything together, but it's exciting the fact that they're actually on the court at the same time. We're seeing something that, for one, from Lynn that we haven't seen in a month and a half, and from Levert we have not seen the whole season. So, mm. you know, it's going to be a little bit more exciting to watch basketball now with the Nets, with those two. And they'll be better. They'll be better, Brian. They're going to play the cool. Lakers. It's going to be a big old game tomorrow night. Party time. Battle, um, battle the coasts. And so Josh Bass's second part of this question is where it gets really great. And so he says, also, like both of you, I'm part of the small overlap of NBA and Vanderpump Rule fans, yes. which I'm going, to, I'm going to suspect there's a larger overlap than people are ready to admit, but it's slowly happening. The, <laughs> the closet Bravo fans are coming out. Um, so this is going to be really not interesting for a couple of you, so we're going to go fast. But uh, for those of you who it is interesting for, this is for you. Which NBA players would you compare to Jax, Stassi, Katie, and James from Vanderpump Rules? <laughs> um, so we'll start with Jax. Jax is, for those of you unfamiliar, he's like a meathead who is like pretty obnoxious, but he's like kind of out of – he's not as interesting as he used to be. He's kind of an old character. Um 
but he's like a really egotistical, like psychopathic liar. Yes. Uh, is kind of his deal. So who you got? He just, uh, if you don't know the show, he created a lie that his own girlfriend had um, sex with another woman. He, he created this lie. Mike, what did I tell you about the kids in the show? What? All right. Fine. Go ahead. It's fine. Okay. No, so it's I have it's... for Jax. Okay. So here's my little preamble. Jax's main character flaw is he's not a trustworthy person. He's mm. a bad friend, a big gossip, will throw anyone under the bus. So okay. it's sort of obvious. And he's also a Hulk. So it's sort of obvious who he's going to be, but it's Dwight we, Howard. We both got Dwight, right? Right. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's not perfect. Reliable. Uh, perfect Dwight Howard. You wouldn't, not a good teammate. Jax is a bad bartender. Uh, well, he's, he's a good teammate until he isn't because he's deceptive, you know? Yes. Yes. So. If anyone, if you picked anyone but Dwight, I'd be shocked. But it's got to be yeah. Dwight. Okay. So the next, uh, much more interesting, I would say, is Katie, Katie Maloney, who is currently ruining the show with her horrible boringness and just general, um, blah, blah, ways. blah. Yeah. Um, she's like she's opinionated. None of her opinions are interesting, and it's just boring. And and all the show is like dedicated to her and her horrible wedding. Um, so who you got? Um, Katie is LeBron. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. So, so this has nothing to do with performance or skill. It all has to do with personality. Uh, both Katie and LeBron think they are the good guys in any situation of any disagreement. They, they believe they are morally superior, uh, but they are both petty. Um, yeah. they act like victims. And then this is something I think you can get behind. They use mm. the power of the group to get their way. They, yeah. they, they've created a cast of friends around them to where if anyone within the group disagrees with them, then they can, they can manipulate the rest of the group to go against that person. LeBron did mm-hmm. this to Kevin Love all last year. Katie's doing it now to anyone who challenges her, specifically Ariana. Ariana has been, has been blacklisted after being in the circle. Um, yes. So mm-hmm. it's br- the bro- no. brutal. Brutal Very dictators. So that- I, I went in a different direction. I just went with a combination of – because I, I just projected how boring she is to me and how much she complains and nobody like really ultimately mm. cares or listens. And so I went with Andrew Bogut on sure. this. Just like, nobody, just like, shut up, Andrew. Nobody cares. Did you see that um, Andrew Bogut sort of supports, supports the Pizzagate <laughs> controversy? No. no. Yeah. He, he – he, he, I forget how – like he said some tweet about how like something like – just just connected to the Pizzagate thing and was like, yeah, but don't believe the media about what, you know, like, we need to look into this more. Some, some like, small little thing. I'm like, Andrew Bogut, where are you coming from, buddy? Yeah. Yeah, it's coming from Brightbrod. Um, next is Stasi. Yes. Um, this is a complicated person. She was on the show for a long time. Uh, got a little big for her britches, left the show, and then came back on this last two seasons, but had to, like, earn her way back. She is, like, was a really, like... She's like, you know, the good looking chick that everyone like liked, but was also super mean and cruel and self-righteous. Um, and now she's like a shell of her former self. Who do you have? So I went with mostly the was full of themselves, left for a while, then came back at a shell of themselves, sort of. And I went with Gerald Green. On this <laughs> <one>. <laughs> Not because I dislike Gerald Green. I think he's a bad personality or anything, but it's mostly the going away and coming back with like your legs between your toes. Like, okay, I'll like, I'll be a sixth man, you know, now versus he wanted to be 
sort of a Kobe Bryant figure on <clears throat> the Celtics and, and Timberwolves when he was playing. That makes a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. Um, I go with Kobe, uh, mm. specifically Kobe in his final season. Uh, mm-hmm. Once great performers, both of them, who carried either the team or the show in their earlier years, um, now both shells of their, of their former selves, and everyone pretty much agrees in both situations that they're better off without them. The show doesn't need Stassi. The Lakers are be- obviously better off without Kobe. And they'll both rip out your throat to win, which mm, cool. I, I like think it. it's important. Um, the next is <clears throat> this guy, James Kennedy, who is like the the most outright villainous person on TV, maybe. Um, just like a this like rich, like just turd. And he thinks a lot of himself for being a DJ at a crummy restaurant. And he like throws it in everyone's face and will get drunk and lash out at people and say like really cruel and hurtful things and like spit on them. He's just terrible. Um, was that a good summary? Yeah, it's perfect. Okay, what do you got? Uh, this was difficult. I don't know. Was it easy for you? Or was it difficult? It was. It was this was. Hard this was the me. hardest. This was the hardest for me, and I had to go way back into the into the tank for this one. And I almost don't even agree with my own assessment of the NBA player. But I said Demarcus Cousins. I said okay because yeah. they're both kind of yeah. petulant, trouble with yeah. authority. Um, and I said I guess talented in James's case. They, no, he so that's, acts so like that's, he is talented. <laughs> that's the big. That's see. That's the big distinction for me because James is flagrantly talentless. So that's where it gets difficult because you have to like you know this NBA player to me to be a perfect James has to really suck. You know, he's almost like if if I could throw NFL in there, he'd be Johnny Manziel without the highs. Like he that's he's actually yeah. is like Johnny Manziel just overall. That would be kind of perfect. So the NBA equivalent for that and also a kind of lookalike is Darko Milicic. That's that's <laughs> Yeah, um, but we don't know Darko's is no personality. We would, you know. Well, I I went back and looked at some videos of him uh like, you know, being spazzing out and being like I think he had a small reputation for being kind of a jerk, but but nothing, nothing notable. But I'll, I, it's just really—I don't know. Maybe that's not fair. Yeah, you'd have to comp, you have to combine this petulance with with a total lack of of anything redeemable, you know. Yeah, and it's tough because you're again you're comparing someone with no talent to obviously a group of talented people. Yeah, because um, you could say like Nick Young, but like Nick Young's harmless. Not, yeah, it's totally harmless and like kind of well liked, even despite like yeah, it might be like kind of a I don't know I don't know what, what people think of him in his personal life, but. Maybe Matt Barnesy, a yeah, little Matt yes, Barnesy. Okay. Let's, go, let's go Matt Barnes. Let's go Matt. Except Barnes. I'm on Team Matt Barnes when it comes to the Derek Fisher situation, but obviously Matt Barnes has gotten into more trouble. So <laughs> you're you have I like that you have an opinion on the Derek Fisher Matt Barnes feud. That's please. that that's that's why you have a show. That's why you have a podcast. Um, come with come with the opinions. Um, so that's it. Well, thank you, Josh Bass, for providing that. Um, and apologies for everyone that doesn't know what the hell we're talking about. Um, but that was fun for us. So thank you. Um, I was going to do news around, news around league, but I'll just do one item from it. Okay. Yeah, good. Um, John legend is going to perform at this year's NBA all-star game. Uh, this is horrible. What are they doing? Okay. That's what, I, that's what I wanted to hear from you because mm-hmm. Okay, one. Everyone, everyone knows that it should be Fetty Wap, and I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand people. When um, you're faced with such an obvious decision, you take a hard left like that. Okay, I dare someone to name their second favorite John Legend song. Figure that out. The only one everyone I don't, any, I don't know my first, I don't know any John Legend songs. The I mean, one I'm sure knows them to hear them. But. Everyone knows is the one where he sings about Chrissy Teigen. With, aren't you they know. like R and B songs? Aren't they like yeah. soft? He. 
I, he's the Applebee's of R and B. Okay, yeah. he's no one. No one's ever been a, a huge legend head. You know, no the, one's the been, new John Legend albums out. Everyone let's let's he, take time off. That that's the the R and B album. You get your aunt if she wants for some reason an R and B album. Uh, sure. This is the NBA All Star Game. It's in you know where it is this year, Brian. It's in New Orleans. It's in Dude, New they've Orleans been this, this year. for a while. What was it Ariana Grande last year? Yes. Like, come on, we can't get we can't get throw Fetty Wap a bone. Damn it. This is the city that gave us Little Wayne and Birdman. Are you telling us we can't have one of those two dudes show up? I mean, we don't have to go local. I'm just saying this is the NBA All-Star Game. We don't want to hear John Legend sing at a piano. We don't. We're seeing cool dunks. We want to see some cool dunks and some great jams. I'm not talking about jams. I'm talking about music. I'm talking about songs. Or I am talking about music. I got. It's just, you know, it's fine. But people are going to be tuning out for John Legend. John Legend is not a draw. He's a nice guy who it's fine. But this is this is the windbaggiest we have ever been on the show, I think. It just, I think uh, this will show a new side of us. This is the, such a mistake. Such yeah. a mistake. I hope there is a lockout now. I hope there's a <laughs> lockout because of this. Are you are you slamming the desk? Is that what you're doing for effect? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm slamming my, my your my computer. Like, like, act, like act like you weren't so freaking conscious of that. Like, oh, I'm sorry, my my. No, I, 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 like, I really patter of your palm on the desk. I really wasn't. I, I wasn't. I swear. Very restrained. I, that's how angry my, I am. My God, I'm sorry. I lost my lost control. Furious, I am. By the way, thank you for sending me the uh, New Yorker review of Rogue One. That yeah. was wasn't um, that a disaster? Could you? That was like barely like uh, coherent. It was crazy. If you haven't. Just just search Rogue One New Yorker review. You're gonna find it. Um, it's just a bunch of jargon, gobbledygook, gross, terrible I writing. No, I can't even tell if that guy is like. I feel like he's having a stroke at his computer, like talking about this thing. There's no, and I don't know that he's. It's a smart guy trying to sound smart. I don't even know if that's the case. I think it's a smart guy, like just hoping to get through this stroke that he's having. Well, and and he and he connects. So part of the review where he talks about how. Uh, basically Rogue One is just a bland corporate, uh, like it's going to hit the, it's going to go by the checklist of what it has to hit, but it's not a movie movie. And one thing, and I pulled it out here, it says, there's none of the Shakespearean space politics, enticingly florid dialogue, or the experimental thrills of the best of the George Lucas's Star Wars entries. Okay. So that's fine if that's the sentence, but then in, in, in parentheses, when talking about the best of the George Lucas's Star Wars entries. They are his his opinion is Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> now, I love Star Wars. I was watching Empire Strikes Back today. Okay, I love it. My it came out on my birthday, both Episode <laughs> One and Episode Three. I went at midnight when I was in fourth grade or fifth grade. Do, do you just uh, like anything that happens on your birthday? Like with, yes, every, it doesn't matter what it is. So national disaster. So Hi, it was on my birthday. Um, but. To for anyone to actually suggest that Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith are the best of anything, um, has to be joking. Has to be joking, or they don't deserve the a, a movie critic thing on the resume. That that has to be stripped from the resume, Brian. I've been meaning to go back and watch Phantom Menace for a long time. I don't think I saw it since it came out. I did. I did do that, and it's tough. It's a tough watch. It's tough. Yeah, it's a slog, right? Yeah. All right. So that's a pod. Thanks so much for listening. Um, again, check us out on Nets Daily. Check us out at BK Glues Guys on Twitter. If you want to download the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, 
Uh, we are the glue guys. So say good night, Brian. Nicely done, Mike. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you.